Welcome to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. My name is Fregel Byrne. Every week I speak to leading figures from the world of sustainability and explore the sustainability agenda in marketing and strategy, technology, innovation, investment and finance. We look at the latest thinking, what's working and the future and evolution of the sustainability agenda. Increasingly companies, that the, the better ones, I mean the highly sustainable ones, are going towards that point where they are engaging their employees in this mission. So sustainability is everybody's job, right? It's not one person's job. And every employee in the company thinks and acts like a sustainability manager. Tap into both the heart and the brain of your employee base. Then I would say, you know, practice what you preach. So in many companies, there's sustainability directives, but they don't practice it kind of through the ranks of the organization. And, and, and what do I mean? So they don't incentivize employees on meeting sustainability targets, and that's wrong. I mean, you know, if you incentivize your employees, then that at least they realize that it's something that's that's significant to the to the company. I'm very pleased today to introduce Professor C.B. Bhattacharya. C.B. is the Pietro Ferrero Chair in Sustainability at the European School of Management Technology in Berlin and a long-standing sustainability scholar and teacher. His main area of focus is business strategy and innovation aimed at increasing both business and social value. CB's also established the Sustainable Business Roundtable. It's a forum to discuss opportunities and challenges to mainstreaming sustainability practices within organizations. Very nice to speak to you today, CB. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. Thank you. Thank you for going. Nice to be here. Yeah, so you, you're a long-time researcher, teacher, advocate of corporate sustainability and responsible business in various different forms. Can you tell me a little bit about what your work focuses on today? My work really focuses on trying to understand how stakeholders react to a company's sustainability initiatives and under what conditions stakeholders actually reward companies for being for being sustainable so under what conditions do do customers actually reward a company via their purchases and and their loyalty um, for for their sustainability initiatives under what conditions do employees reward their employer uh, for their sustainability initiatives how investors react how suppliers react so if we can gauge the conditions under which stakeholders respond positively to sustainability initiatives and if we can instill those conditions um, in, in companies and, and in society, then you know that it's going to be, we are going to be able to better leverage the investments in sustainability and therefore create you know, more, not only just social and environmental value, but show business that there is business value as well to be derived from being uh, sustainability oriented. And, and that will spur business to invest uh, more and invest strategically in sustainability. So that's what my work is about. Right. And have you seen a lot of change? I mean, where are we, would you say, with corporate sustainability? I know recently somebody was writing about sustainability becoming mainstream and people exploring what would the tipping point be. Where do you think we are in terms of the journey to corporate sustainability? I think we have made significant progress um, over the past couple of decades. But I do not think we are anywhere near the tipping point yet. I think the tipping point uh, may come in the next, somewhere in the next five to ten years, I would say. And uh, right now we see a lot of companies uh, engaging in sustainability and it's slowly, as you said, becoming on, in the process of being, being mainstreamed. 
the better companies have already kind of given sustainability a seat at the table, um, but there are thousands and thousands of companies out there who still really understand the importance of sustainability, but they don't really know how to implement a sustainability strategy. So that's going to take some, some, some work going forward. Recently, with COP21, and I know that uh, many sustainability experts, advocates, see that as a really important step in the move towards sustainability, a more sustainable world. Can you talk briefly about what is the significance, do you think, of COP21? I think the significance of COP21 is really, for the first time, at a nation level, uh, we have achieved some kind of an agreement, at least in principle, of the importance um, of, of climate change and the fact that nations urgently need to do something to be able to reduce kind of CO2 and other greenhouse gas emissions. Um, I know there is skepticism around whether these principles will actually be followed and to what extent they are binding and, and so on. but Nevertheless, it is going to be an uphill battle going forward, but nevertheless, just to be able to even acknowledge uh, the individual roles that every nation plays and, and to be able to come together to, to sign an agreement uh, pledging these reductions kind of, you know, uh, by, by 2030 and by 2050, I mean, that's, uh, that's quite significant. So are you optimistic then that the countries are going to positive encouragement, peer pressure, positive feedback will produce material change? Yes, I'm optimistic. If uh, I mean, there is, I don't think you can not be optimistic given the position that, that at least I'm in as, as, a, as a scholar, as an educator, uh, and someone who's trying to do something about it. So, um, you know, it's... Uh, We've got to we've got to keep trying, and I think it's a it's it's a good you know achievement. It's up to companies, I think, fundamentally as well, um, to try and change their to try and change their behavior. Because if we all keep waiting for regulators to you know to uh, curb emissions and so on, yeah, that yeah, then that might not happen. But if this is as well a, a warning bell to companies saying, look, I mean, you know, the, the writing is on the wall and, and if you guys do not change your, the way you uh, operate, then you're going to lose your license to operate. I, I think that's a more kind of significant um, warning and that's a more significant wake-up call than for the regulators actually for us to, you know, to, to wait for them, the regulators to do something. So I think the significance of the COP is that for, for companies to, to get the message that, hey, you know, the regulators are coming to, you know, at us, so perhaps we should now kind of, you know, change the way we play the game. You mentioned licensed to operate. Without lesson, can you see that as a result of COP21? It's not, you know, kind of that concrete in terms of kind of saying, but if you're an airline company and if you see that, you know, airlines are going to be targeted as one arena of, of, of regulation going forward, or if you are um, a cattle producer and, and you see that that you know that there are regulations that are going to be targeted towards you because you produce a lot of methane, um, then you know you you've got to internalize 
essentially the, the the message yourself. I mean, so in the U.S., there has been significant talk about kind of reducing emissions going forward. In China, there's a significant talk. So it's essentially the messages that you take away from when you attend these meetings with the CEOs. There's several CEOs who attended COP21. Um, when you attend these meetings and you see the, the the seriousness with which it is being taken by regulators, you essentially that that time kind of assess for yourself that this is an environmental kind of a macro environmental issue that needs to be taken seriously. Otherwise, you will lose the license to operate kind of going forward, maybe not tomorrow uh, or maybe not in the next year, but maybe, you know, in five years to come. And, and therefore, now would be the time to act to start making amends. At least that's how the better companies uh, think and act, I believe. Yes, that's very interesting. And I think some people have been noted that it felt an, a, quite an inclusive meeting in the sense that while before there was more of a them and us, maybe between developing countries and developed countries, but also in terms of who's responsible, a sense that we're kind of all in it together. And I'm wondering, particularly from the perspective of finance and investment, what do you think is significant there? With regard to climate change, to COP twenty one in particular, and and climate change, if you know, but a sense that you know how are things changing, and is did COP twenty one add to that, and so forth? Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's uh, really the issue of of carbon being being priced, and there being a market, and that being more more active. I mean, that's kind of fundamentally, I think, how the finance industry would one of the ways that they would look at it. The other one is the cost of capital kind of going up. You know, if if you try to lend to institutions and, and companies that are not kind of doing well on the uh, on, on on the renewable energy front and if they're sticking to kind of traditional um, fossil fuels and uh, you know burning coal and things like that. So I think the finance industry will be far more vigilant in terms of where they invest their where they invest their monies, and as you can see from, uh, I think it was around COP twenty one. I think that the Norwegian sovereign fund uh, declared that they would be pulling out from from any kind of investment that had to do with fossil fuels. So people look for these um, watershed moments, so to speak, to to also make their announcements in parallel, kind of you know in terms of what they are doing to support. Um, support these major initiatives. And, and so um, going forward, I'm sure you will see increasingly more and more financial institutions, foundations, you know, private, private wealth, um, all of these kinds of uh, areas will be pulling out, increasingly pulling out of um, investments that, that are uh, detrimental to, to climate change issues. And they will be putting more and more money into issues that in fact impede climate change you know so so for example i'm sure renewables is one uh, area that that's gonna see more investment and uh, you know any any uh, as well as sustainable housing uh you know su sustainable transportation urbanization all these kinds of things uh, are going to see more um more action from 
uh, from financiers. Right, that's interesting. And you mentioned the carbon pricing. Can you talk a little bit about that? How important is that and how do you see that progressing? I mean, it seems to be the case. You talked about people seeing the, the writing on the wall a bit at COP21 as far as regulation is concerned. In a similar way, there does seem to be talk of people using you know shadow carbon prices in companies with a view to the, being able to respond to the, the day that carbon prices are implemented and agreed. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have tried different kinds of markets uh, for carbon and sadly, you know, the, the, the reality hasn't sunk in. But again, there are companies who use an internal price of carbon and I think that's a very significant move. Uh, when you use an internal price of carbon, I mean, you're, you're then attributing your emissions that the fact that whatever it is that you're doing to the environment, that this is not costless. And that's the first step towards kind of monetizing um, your environmental impact, right? And and uh, whether there is actually um, carbon trading at the right price. I mean, you know, uh, twenty five euros per ton is is a is a reasonable price to assume. I mean, there are several variations of this price that people people use, but uh, whether the market trades at this price or not, if you actually if you actually use this kind of a price for carbon for your internal accounting purposes, then you are doing a lot of lot of good in the sense that you're actually watching, you know, how big your footprint is, and uh, that's a wake up call again to kind of take action to kind of reduce reduce that footprint. And I I think that that's the just the tip of the iceberg because you know increasingly companies and, and at least the better ones are looking to monetize their impact kind of not just with regard to carbon but as well with regard to kind of the investments that they make uh, in the social arena and and kind of how do they measure you know um, social capital much as they measure kind of you know the, the the creation and the destruction of natural capital they look at um, the creation and or destruction of so, and of social capital and all of these moves essentially are baby steps and that's why I said we are not at the tipping point they're all baby steps to go towards that stage where every business decision is looked at um, is viewed through the lens of sustainability and and I know you have uh, interest in kind of what what does a uh, uh, a highly sustainable company kind of look like and and let let me use this to, to transition to that issue i mean a highly sustainable company is is one that where every employee each time he or she makes a business decision views it through the lens of sustainability so in other words kind of thinks about the environmental consequences and thinks about the social consequences of that particular decision and the more we have prices or, or numbers attached to um, kind of you know initiatives or, or, or decisions that we make, whether that be an investment in improving uh, my, my supply chain or investing in training my suppliers, you know, or, or reducing my carbon emissions, whatever that is, when there is a when there is a number attached to it, that makes it that definitely makes it easier for me to make that decision because it's kind of more in my more in my face it's more concrete and it's it's less abstract so increasingly companies that the, the better ones i mean the highly sustainable ones are going towards that point where they are engaging their employees 
in this in this mission so sustainability is everybody's job right it's not one person's job and every employee in the company thinks and acts like a sustainability manager and uh, you know unilever would be one good example of of there are others but unilever would be one good example of of that and they have seen tremendous um, benefit in terms of their employee engagement you know so i've worked with the company and with paul pullman quite closely and um, what they observe is that, you know, uh, due to employee engagement in sustainability initiatives of the company, overall employee engagement is, is kind of, you know, very, very impressively around 80% or something like that. And when you have employee engagement at, at, those, at those high numbers, then even if you make some mistakes in the market or there's competition, you have a wrong strategy or whatever, just that high employee engagement is an incredible competitive advantage. And, you know, the surveys have shown that employees attribute their engagement in sustainability and their ability to make decisions in the sustainability arena very much to that high employee engagement, that very much to, to kind of feeling, you know, this sense of purpose around what they're doing for the, for, for the company. And that's ultimately what makes a, a that's what a truly sustainable company would would uh, would look like. Right. You talk about the benefits of engagement, and there does seem to be an increasing body of research as to the benefits of sustainability in different ways, in terms of as a, a sustainable companies as an investment or as a financial performance. But there does seem to be this legacy or that it's kind of deep feeling around sustainability that there's a cost or that there's a trade off that you know sustainable products may not be as good or sustainable strategies will be less profitable. That kind of thing. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, clearly, you know. To to get employees on board on a sustainability mission or agenda, they need to believe that there's a benefit to do that. And, and for a lot of companies and just for a lot of people, that's not obvious. Absolutely. And, and that's, um, that's because of the history of, of sustainability in some sense and where it's coming from. Uh, in its early incarnation, what companies did was that they engaged in philanthropy, right? And they, they wrote checks for foundations, they wrote checks for, for, for uh, any cause that the, that the CEO believed in, and uh, that, was, that, that was that. Then came essentially CSR. It says, oh, it's our responsibility to, to kind of behave well and, and to take care of the environment and to take care of, of society. And this was still pretty much a one-off thing. So philanthropy kind of transformed into uh, into the CSR department for companies, and and uh, the CSR department of companies um, was for the most part divorced from kind of the the hot shots, or the, the the CSR didn't have a seat at the table, essentially to make strategic decisions. So I created, in fact, this notion, or or I and others wrote about strategic corporate responsibility. We said, okay, mere engagement in corporate responsibility is not going to give you uh, any kind of business value. And if you want to derive business value from this, you, you've got to be really strategic. And so my book, Leveraging Corporate Responsibility, essentially goes into those conditions under which stakeholders reward companies for their sustainability initiatives. Now, then CSR basically tried to morph itself into, into sustainability. And that's where kind of the, the, the disconnect is because sustainability is something that's really fundamentally different. I mean, it is 
about your value chain and it's about looking at your entire value chain and it's about materiality and it's about so it's about figuring out what issues are most critical to business success in your value chain what sustainability issues are most critical to business success in your value chain so it really is so far away from from philanthropy that it needs to be completely separated in in thinking and action in in the company's uh, in the company's minds but you know it's it's like the baggage that you cannot shed because of how the progression has kind of happened um but in modern forward-looking companies, I mean, you know, sustainability has a very different look and feel. And it's very clear that, you know, you can ask people and say, well, this is what we do is not really CSR. I mean, it's, it's, it's far more kind of business oriented and it's driven into our kind of business model. And, and then when, when, when that really happens, when you are able to do that, then you're able to see the difference between it being viewed as a cost and it being viewed as an investment. So when when you reduce, when you invest in new uh, machinery or, or new new facilities or whatever to reduce your environmental footprint, you realize that that's you know that's something you're doing that's actually going to benefit your business because you're future proofing. So it's an investment with potential reputational gains and with pot- potential risk reduction. And uh, that, and that when, when you see it that way and when that becomes your business philosophy, then it ceases to, be, ceases to be a cost. Now, do you make money off of it the, uh, the very next day? No. So there is a time horizon issue. And there are people who are kind of stuck in this time warp and who will still continue to obsess about quarterly profits and, and being able to kind of meet the market's expectations and so on. And they're the ones who struggle with this kind of, you know, kind of is it a cost and is it a drag on our profits and so on. If you take the time horizon issue away, then, you know, several companies and several researchers have established that it uh, that there is no conflict. There is no trade-off between, you know, being more sustainable and, and being more profitable. And one of the main reasons for for that again is you know that your that your employees are are more productive and they're more happy and and they are doing collectively everything they can as well to steer your company in, in the in in the right direction and th- and there is no substitute for that right I mean because if you continue to live in the past then um, you will be you will be obsolete essentially and you will be irrelevant in the marketplace. Of, of 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 the future so it's a philosophical uh transition as much as it is a kind of a scientific transition you know which can be or, or or an economic transition that can be shown via numbers and so on but it has much to do with kind of you know the purpose of business and the role of business in society as well that's very interesting you talk about the struggle you know to deal with short-term horizons and investors horizons but that is a given really is that changing and when will that change in any significant way because it does seem to be pretty you know how many i don't know the percentage of stock market transactions that you know are driven by computers but it's pretty clear there's a very strong short-term investor agenda yeah yeah there is and uh to your point it is it is changing i mean you know so so there is a a large initiative now on this concept called integrated reporting, uh, where rather than issuing separate financial reports and, and uh, sustainability report, a company only issues one report. 
which is an integrated report that has both financial as well as non-financial information in terms of the environmental and social performance of the company. Um, and as integrated reporting takes off, and more and more companies, are, so the BASF and SAP and several other large companies are, are engaged in integrated reporting. As, as this kind of you know, takes steam, investors are able to see much more easily kind of what's going on on the sustainability uh, front of companies. And investors are increasingly taking interest in you know, kind of the sustainability operations of the company. In fact, I have a paper that shows that investors react positively to sustainability to, to, to good sustainability news as reported in the sustainability reports of the companies. And they penalize companies for poor sustainability performance. So it's not that investors are not taking attention. They are, you know, they are taking note of the company's sustainability performance. And so that's, a, that's good news. Now, in parallel, of course, there's this, all this computer trading and, this, and the, all, of, all of that going on. I'm not really sure, so I don't want to speculate as, as to how that hampers or hinders uh, you know, kind of uh, this whole short term obviously it hinders it hugely, but I'm, I'm not in a position to, to change that. But all I can say is that there's significant work going on as well by Bloomberg, um, you know, and the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board in, in the US, who are also coming up with kind of, you know, how, how to introduce sustainability into accounting. So a lot of movements going on, and, and we are still in the relatively early phases. But um, I, I, I would be, you know, uh, very surprised if in the next 20 years or so, we haven't seen kind of significant change in the way uh, company performance is, is, is evaluated. Right, right. It's clearly a lot going on there. I know there's the Mike Bloomberg task force. And as you say, there's well, a bewildering uh, number of acronyms in the whole area of, you know, sustainability and integrated reporting and so forth, and, and a lot of progress. But that ties into another question, which is interesting, which is to, you know, to, to get the last one. Yeah. So you talked about the cusp and the you know, moving from more CSR to a more, you know, driving sustainability into the operations of the business and be more integrated. So, you know, what are a few things that companies can do to move on that journey? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, I think they can do a, a, a definitely a few things. Uh, one is that they can tap into both the heart and the brain of their employees. Uh, and what do I mean by that? I mean that sustainability is essentially driven by, by, by two things. It's driven by a sense of purpose, you know, asking the question, why do we do what we do? Um, and the ability of a company to, to figure out its purpose and to drive its purpose through the employee base, I think, matters a whole lot and, and makes, you know, makes a big difference to the to employees. Similarly, they can tap into the brain, which is the economics of sustainability. So it's not just perceived as fluff. I mean, you know, the purpose part can be perceived as fluff, but you can back it up. You can show the economic rationale of, of you know, investing in sustainability and being more sustainable. And these calculations are, are possible to do. So I would first say tap into both the heart and the brain of your employee base. Then I would say, you know, practice what you preach. So in many companies, there's sustainability directives but they don't practice it kind of through the ranks of the organization. And, and, and what do I mean? So they don't incentivize employees on meeting sustainability targets. And that's wrong. I mean, you know, if you incentivize 
your employees then that at least they realize that it's something that's that's significant to the to the company um, you get all executives kind of to speak the same sustainability language throughout so so I have seen a situations where employees are admonished for for spending time on sustainability now that's not that's not the right way to do it so everybody has to buy into your executives have to buy into uh, the fact that this is important and they have to be set be the role models and set examples throughout the company culturally you need to to accomplish kind of this uh, atmosphere where you know where whereby kind of everything uh, that all employees do contributes to that sustainability mission so if uh, everybody picks up trash around me then I would also as well feel guilty of, of, of not picking up my trash and so you create that environment where everybody works towards that towards that same same goal um, the third thing the company can do is really understand employee needs and employee motives so you know uh, typically employees have three kinds of motives for 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 working I mean they view a job uh, their their work as a job you know as an economic need okay I have to make, make ends meet or it's a developmental need I need to get ahead in my career or it's a it's a calling so it's an ideological need yeah, I want to contribute to something bigger than myself and companies can would do well to to research their employee base and identify segments that are kind of high on these different kinds of uh, needs and then come up with strategies that that cater to those particular needs so if somebody views it as a job then yeah reward them more for for this if somebody views it as a career then you know promote you know promote them on the basis of their sustainability performance and if somebody views this as a calling then yes so tap into that purpose part that i was talking about earlier so this is hard work i mean but it's it's certainly tractable and and and, and doable then you can empower your employees so you can you can you know allow them to co-create uh, sustainability initiatives with you employees love that and um, you know so you can have contests and have them figure out kind of what the sustainability initiatives could be for the company and you will be amazed at how many ideas can can come up from 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 that and then you can make sustainability visible or salient so that kind of you know it's a constant reminder in terms of the fact that this is important to all of us right so um, I have been to companies and I've seen kind of they have signs that uh, everywhere about about uh, this uh, bigger purpose and the sustainability journey and what employees can do to contribute. And when you have that kind of information around you, when you have dashboards, you have uh, pop-ups on your computer, you have cascades from the CEO where you know every talk is around. Uh, it's mentioned sustainability is emphasized in every, every talk that you hear. That makes a difference, and that rem that serves as a reminder that you need to do your part as as well. So these five pointers I'll leave you with. I think if if companies actually invest their time and effort and and kind of work on these five issues, then they can certainly move their uh, employee base towards this business through the sustainability lens that I was mentioning. And and this is the topic of a. Uh, of an article uh, and a book that's uh, in the making right now. So uh, stay tuned. Thank you very much, CB. We will keep our eyes open for that. And thank you so much for taking the time today to speak to the sustainability agenda and share your views and insights. The pleasure is all mine. The pleasure is all mine. And thank you for the opportunity. Excellent. 
Thank you for listening to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. I hope you found it interesting. Please sign up at the sustainabilityagenda.com website or on iTunes to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.